Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls, the home of the greatest rivalry in professional sports. We have a great episode coming at you in a few, but first we have to tell you about all of the places you can find us. BleacherBrawls.com is the home for our Yankees and Red Sox columns, football, basketball, soccer content, as well as movie reviews, quizzes, and plenty of trash talk. Our YouTube channel has a few videos a week with picks, predictions, our prospect pipeline series, and more. Our main social media hub is Twitter, at Bleacher Brawl, where you can give us any feedback, ask us any questions, follow us to be the first to hear about our latest content. This podcast is available on your listening app of choice, and when you finish listening to today's super exciting episode, you'll want to drop us a five-star review. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls. We have another Sunday night, Monday morning episode coming at you. Our normal Sunday night crew. My name is Patrick. I'm here with John and Derek and Luke. And we're going to talk all the things that we talk on Sunday nights. Little Red Sox, little Yankees, little baseball at large. Um, all of the, um, the, the news and notes of the week, if you will. Um, aside from the fact that I'm pretty sure Luke is pretty mad at me. So I will go to him last for our first pitch. I'll hear what everybody else is up to, and then I'll let Luke um, be wrong like normal. Uh, Derek, what's up with you? I'll let you go first. Uh, give me your first pitch. Ah, uh, like I don't have anything going on, honestly. I've just okay, been... great, John. What about you? <laughs> I mean, I've just been relaxing. Finally, I think I'm over COVID, but I think I might be might have dehydrated myself. So, yay, I got that to deal with now. So yippee ki yay. Um, so yeah, besides that, it's going great. Although I have a big gripe with the Grammys that I'm not going to get into because they missed out on my neither of my three favorite albums this year got nominated. So we're just going to skip past that because I'm still upset about that. But yeah, um, no, sports world-wise, Liverpool sucks. So that sucks watching them. There's The Pro Bowl was eh, Matt, best. A joke. A joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's gotten worse every year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're, they're, I haven't been doing much the last week and a half, two weeks. Well, good to hear that you're at least on the mend. Uh, John, what's up with you? Pat, dudes, I had a great weekend. A lot of fun, just having a good time with the kids, playing with the family. It's my mother-in-law's birthday tomorrow. So we went out for dinner at a excellent Puerto Rican restaurant here in San Antonio. It actually made diners, diamonds and drives or however you pronounce that. I might've got those words in the wrong order. Great weekend all around. Um, yeah, the Pro Bowl is never a exciting game, but getting to see some of the other videos that came out where, like, you see Peyton Manning's kid throwing bombs or just throwing a ball, the football on a rope, and you're like, wow, we got another generation of Mannings on the way, which, you know, who doesn't like? Oh, and speaking of which, um, that Friday was the anniversary of uh, the – Giants being the Patriots in Super Bowl 42 with them, that amazing helmet catch and just the biggest upset of all time. Um, so, yeah, all in all, just good couple days. I have two things real quick. One is I saw 80 for Brady today, and my review will be hitting the website tomorrow, bleacherbrills.com, and um, I got lots to talk about. Uh, and number two, uh, Kyrie Irving is the worst teammate in the history of professional sports. Uh, Luke, go for it. 
Well, it's not just you, Pat, that I'm mad at. It's I'm really mad at every single person that's on that midweek show because that that whole that whole show this week was basically uh, an homage to to bashing me. Um, so, look, everyone hated the trades that I made uh, for the hypothetical Red Sox trades for the last Monday morning show we did. Uh, where I was, tr- we came up, I came up with some Red Sox trades. John came up with some Yankee trades that would, uh, we thought would help our team, but they had to get through, they had to pass through, they had to pa- get the, the approval of the baseball trade values website. And they had to get the approval of Scammy McGuire here, who was being, who was the GM that we were negotiating with. Uh, it's not so easy, Cassim, Joey, Pat, even Barnes, I think he threw a Merchant of Lies uh, comment in there. Um, because uh, it's not so easy. You know, like, for example, Pat insists on keeping all 27 shortstops that are in the Red Sox farm system because he saw them all play in A ball, uh, even though they're all blocked by this 15 year old kid who was just drafted in 2021. And so none of them are ever going to see sniff the infield dirt of Fenway Park. Um, so I, I, before earlier this week, I challenged Pat to put his money where his, where his mouth is and to put up his own two, two trades, uh, and negotiate with Derek. And they also have to pass the baseball trade values calculator approval. So we'll see if he does any better than I did. I highly doubt it. And Cassim, Cassim. So these guys were talking about my trades. Kasim said he would fire me if he was the owner and I was his GM. He would fire me right away. And he's making me do something I hate doing more than anything else. I actually have to have to back John up on something. I have to I have to support John on something. So John John, uh, opted to trade for Corbin Burns, Kasim's guy, Kasim's favorite pitcher on the entire trade market in major league baseball and all john gave up was uh a whole bunch of yankee prospect jabronis it was a package centering around anthony volpe and oswald peraza or oswaldo peraza however you say his name and Cassim, Cassim, he who was who loves Corbin Burns and has never found a prospect that he would piss on if they were on fire, decided, yeah, that's not, yeah, I wouldn't give up too much. That, that's giving up too many prospects if you're just getting, bur- getting uh, if you're, I'm just getting Corbin Burns, I don't want to give up that many prospects, which is totally antithetical to everything I've ever heard Kasim say ever. And <laughs> what Kasim said was that he would only do that trade if, I don't know if you guys remember this, uh, if how many of you were listening and if you heard this, but he would give up he would give up that package of prospects only if he was get if the Yankees were getting Corbin Burns and Willie Adames and Devin freaking Williams. And so Kasim, maybe I would be fired, but you would be fired immediately after me or even before me because you would get nothing done. General managers are not going to let you just swindle them for three of their five best players on their major league team for a bunch of guys that as you would, say blow and have never played in major league baseball if you wanted to get corbin burns willie adames and devin williams from the brewers the yankees would have to give up volte peraza michael king jose trevino alfonso soriano nick johnson mel hall andy stankowitz three players to be named later and cash considerations so i i i challenge Cassim as well to put up his own two trades uh 
uh, to negotiate with Derek and the baseball trade values website to come up with his own two trades uh, to put his money where his mouth is too. Um, so, and while well, getting back to Pat here, not only did I issue a challenge uh, to Pat, which, which he is going to meet uh, later in the show, we're going to hear his trades, but I also have to accept the challenge from him. So earlier this week, I tweeted out, uh, I saw a rave review of that two hour and 40 minute SNL episode called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, and it really pissed me off. Um, so like, I, I can't stand that movie and I, I really can't stand how much people seem to love it. Um, so I tweeted out, I'm the only person on the planet that thinks Once Upon a Time in Hollywood blows. And it's one of the most confusing and frustrating things in the world to me. And Pat responded uh, that we have to brawl on this. Pat, so Pat in his, this will be his inaugural brawl. He has never brawled before. And he's crazy enough to challenge the undisputed, undefeated champion who has never lost a bleacher, a bleacher brawl ever uh, in, his first, in his first go around. So it's kind of like uh, Rocky facing Apollo Creed. Um, so I accept, I happily accept and I'll do you one better Pat I'll let you decide when and where so you name the time you name the place I'll knock your ass out and dance on your face so that's me that's my Apollo Creed accepting I think that we do it tonight I think that we do it at the end of our agenda tonight Luke because we don't need to waste all of our baseball fans time with with an hour-long brawl about Quentin Tarantino let's just get into it 15 20 minutes we don't need the full 15 rounds I'll knock you out in two Perfect. Perfect. I'll, I'll take my, I'll, I'll cover my eyes and put my hands behind my bed. <laughs> Maybe right, it'll be it. fair. Yeah. Perfect. Can I kind of bring this up on the trades last, last week? Because I, <laughs> I wrote down on my, on my phone, I put the initial offers from both you, Luke and John. I put my original calendar offers and then I put a settle offer, which was the bare minimum I was willing to take. No one came close to getting me to even down to my settle offer. You guys suck. You guys suck. <laughs> okay. My, maybe we settle, my, just... settle, my settle offer for Merrill Kelly. You ready for this? You're going to love this, Luke. My settle offer for Merrill Kelly was Brandon Walter, Edinson Paulino, Nick Pavetta, and Tyler McDonough. Instead of giving – you gave me Paulino, Nick York, Nick Pavetta, and Tyler McDonough. Although, yes, McDonald was as a player to be named later, but conditional, but still like. So, yeah, I guess I could have just walked away. That would have been really fun content for the listeners. Like, you know, I'm going to pass. On this. You, I know you weren't going to give up. If, you hey, weren't about if, to take an L. <laughs> hey, if you would have said, uh, I'll give you, I don't know, another guy in the system not named Nick York, but a sub someone else over Nick York. I would have probably taken it or like uh, on the Corbin Burns deal. My settled deal was Volpe uh Peraza and Domingo Herman. What would it have taken to add Willie Adames and Devin Williams to that package? I wouldn't even have <laughs> Yankee that. Stadium. Um, the entire Yankee farm system. <laughs> no, no, no. The entire farm system, their whole international bonus pool for the next like 10 years. <laughs> like no. Um and then uh, and I got uh Volpe, Oswaldo Cabrera, Montas, but he would have ended up failing his physical, but you know. <laughs> Um, we let it slide for the purpose of the video, uh, for the podcast. I got Ron Marinaccio, I got Carson Coleman, I got Brendan Beck, you know, just, you know. So Pat, to give it to us, you can walk me down. Now, if I, you get me down to my settle off or good on you, if not, you know, but you know, we'll see, we'll see where things go. 
We will get into it soon. First, I want to um, hit some of the sort of news, rumors, ideas of the week, uh, what's been going on um, with both the Yanks and the Sox. Um, John, I want to start with you. Um, left field has been a, an issue that we've talked about over and over and over again, uh, you know, the past, I don't know, for, for you guys, the past like three years, but, but on this show, you know, this offseason, the past six months or so. Um, I want you to hit me with with what we've been hearing a lot uh, in, in the Yankees world as uh, when it comes to how you think that might be solved this year. So um, I want to talk about this because just the other day on our guest series, Barnes interviewed Jonna Perlinger. She's a writer with, for the Yankees. Uh, it was a fantastic interview. They did a great job, really interesting. And Barnes brought up playing Esteban Floreal in left field and giving him 100 at-bats and seeing what he can do. And so far, that might be the best option I've heard to date. Um, why not give Esteban Floreal 100 at-bats beginning of the season? You know, like, everybody's kind of getting started. It's early on. Like, just see what this kid can do. Um, the problem with the Yankees, as we've always talked about on this podcast, is they hang on to their prospects for too long until there's no trade value left. And that's kind of what's happened with Floreal. He's out of options, so if he doesn't – come and make the major league roster, he's pretty much gone. Or at least any team, other teams can have a shot at him. So, and another issue is with all the trades the Yankees have made these past couple of years, I feel like if anyone actually wanted Esteban Floreal, he would have been traded by now. So the Yankees have themselves a speed guy that nobody wants. Like, and you got to need, he's an outfielder. So probably translates pretty well to left field. And he's a center fielder. So why not put him in left field? Because it's only going to help your de overall defense. And I just think Barnes had a great idea by bringing that up. You bring in Floreal, 100 at-bats, 120 at-bats, and just see if this guy can learn how to kind of make contact. He could use his speed to advan his advantage. And I know, Pat, I know you're a big fan of stolen bases. The guy stole 39 bases in AAA last season. So something else – I know you're not rooting for the Yankees to have stolen bases – just saying it's an exciting part of the game that the Yankees have always lacked. Why not give this guy a chance? So kudos to Barnes. I think he had a great idea. And just to follow up on that, Derek, am I right about this? Like the fact that Esteban Florial hasn't been traded kind of makes me think he's fallen down the prospect list and just nobody wants him. Well, he's falling down the prospect list because he's getting older. And once you kind of hit 25 and you get towards like 25, 26, you it's kind of becoming less of your prospect and more it's like okay you got to hit the big leagues at some point and figure out if you're actually going to be a big league piece or not um and i think that's where Florial's at it's hey can you contribute at the big leagues yes or no it's go time figure it out um and the only way to find that out for the yankees is to play him um so i think like over the course of spring training and then yeah if he if, if he has an absolute like terrible spring training then maybe he doesn't make the roster. But if he's not terrible in spring training, he just does solid in spring training, he probably makes the roster. And then you look to try and play him, see how he does. If he plays well, great. If not, then maybe you DFA him or you, or maybe you don't DFA him, but you just try and send him through uh, waivers, sending him down to AAA. Uh, that's where it gets a little tricky, obviously. Um, so it depends. The Yankees see him in their plans past uh 2023 too there's all of that i'm gonna be honest with you floreal blows <laughs> i think john i think you're right i think like this team for i don't know uh 
decades has had a speed problem and um you know the the Tim LeCashers of the world can only do so much when they, you know, play once a week. I think, you know, you're onto something there. I think, unfortunately for you all and great for us, you're stuck with Aaron Hicks. I think, you know, Cashman has just dug himself this hole that he, he really like has to, has to try and prove um, that he was right. And he's never going to be right. Um, but he's going to try and put his money where his mouth is on that one. Really at this point, ironic. might even put his mouth where his money is. But anyway, whatever. It really is ironic that as much as Aaron Hicks lost out his prime to injuries, now that he's past his prime, he stopped getting injured. Like, how did that work out? It's exactly. it's he's lucky. Jacoby Ellsbury is a thing because like he'd be in contention. Hicks would be in contention for maybe worse contract to Cashman's tenure. Cash, well, I mean, like. I think what Hicks kind of the saving grace, it's a long contract, but it's only 10 million a year, which is still overpaid for the guy now, but seven years at 10 million a year at the time, it looked like a good deal. And it's not horrible. It's not going to crazy. Obviously didn't triple them from re-signing Aaron judge or getting Carlos Rodone. The franchise definitely just like has an issue with, picking these guys, you know, their, their center fielder of the future. There's, there's not been speaking of Ellsbury. There's not been some um, uh, success in the recent past going as far to moving Hicks to left and giving Harrison Bader a shot. Now, um, you know, how many times did they play Aaron judge in center field last year? Um, so now their center field problems are a left field, field problem. Aaron oh Jones yeah. Field. Yeah, of course. Edit that out, please. <laughs> <laughs> now their now their center field problem has become a left field problem. Um, and they didn't really solve anything. But um, you know, it is what it is. Um, on the Red Sox side, uh Matt Barnes last week designated for or not last week designated for assignment, but in the recent past designated for assignment last week traded to Miami. I, I don't think that we've talked about it on the show yet. Um, but I know one thing that a couple of the sucks guys on, on the pod here want to talk about is <laughs> Matt Bard's pretending like he was blindsided or maybe actually being delusional and being blindsided. I don't, I don't know which is worse, but, but Luke, I'll start with you on this one. Yeah, he actually said, so he was on Jared Carabas's podcast um, and Carabas kissed his ass, which is look, they're friends. He did. He's been on the show a lot. I'm not here to hate on Jared Carabas. I'm not going to, punch that high up um but uh yeah acting like he didn't and in during um during the the podcast you know Carabas asked him how he felt about it and he said and he said like oh he asked him why why and like I, you just got to make me understand the logic and I'm I'm wondering like did he really not see this coming like if I were him I feel like I would have just been every time my phone rang I would have been like oh this is him Oh no, it's my girlfriend. Oh, that's good. But oh, here next phone call. Oh, he goes as far to say, Heim was calling and I almost didn't answer the phone because I was like, ah, oh, he's just checking in game. before spring training. Like, no, no, he's he's actually calling you to fire your ass. <laughs> because he was playing a video game. I, I I wasn't even gonna answer the phone from my boss because I was about to go into an online video game. But you know, I, I was like, okay, I'll answer it. So I mean, if you don't understand the logic, okay, I'll break down the logic for you. You were groomed to be the closer for the team for like eight years. 
but you never found the mental fortitude to do the job. You had great stuff. You throw 96, 98. He was, I mean, he's been around long enough that when you could throw 96 as a late inning reliever, that was still, you know, something, you know, commendable in some way. Now there's not a single late inning reliever that doesn't throw 97 at least. Um, and so after six years of spotty setup slash middle relief work, uh, he fooled us all in the first half of 2021. We all, oh, he finally put it together. We were waiting for this to happen. And he finally put the mental part of the game in there with his, to match his stuff. And now he's that closure we want him to be. And he torpedoed again immediately after signing the contract. It was crazy that it, uh, like, oh, it's going to, ha- I was thinking that whole first half of 2021, it's, he's only, it's only going to last so long. He's going to, he's going to screw it up. He's going to screw it up. Then he signs the contract. And I finally started to get aboard, aboard the whole Matt Barnes closer train. And of course, right then he dropped the ball whenever he's, and this has been the case through his career. Whenever he has a couple bad games, it snowballs because he's a mental midget. And maybe that's why he couldn't understand the obvious logic because he just doesn't have a good head on his shoulders. Um, whenever he pitches in a big spot, he he just he panics and he blows it. His career ERA is 4.07. His career whip is 1.341. Those are not good stats for a relief pitcher. Uh, those are fringe reliever stats. Those are like sixth guy out of the bullpen stats. Um, and uh, later on in that interview, he said, Heim Bloom told him, he said, he asked why, and Heim, you know, he paraphrased what Heim Bloom told him by saying, Heim said, well, he said pretty much the last two months were luck. And then Barnes, act, he was saying it in a way that like, you know, victimizing himself, like, yeah, those last two months we did really well, they were just luck. Well, shit, it might not have been luck, but it might have had something to do with the team being out of contention, there being no pressure on you whatsoever in those games you came in. Oh, look, he finally put it together. Now it'll be good next year. No, he won't, because next year the games are going to matter, at least in April and May. Like Even if they're terrible, they will still matter early in the season, and it's a mental block with him. And what happens the next time? He was talking as if Oh yeah, I got it figured out now. You know, I had an injury, I had COVID, and then I had this mental issue. But yeah, I put it together in garbage time. So now I'm back. Like, yeah, you were back until you weren't back anymore. And then it happens again. And look, and it was definitely going to happen again. I think the Red Sox waited way too long with this. Heimbloom gave him a lot, he gave him a great contract, and he gave him as much rope as he possibly could to hang himself with. And look. I think he will thrive in Miami because nobody cares in Miami and there's no pressure and he will probably put up great stats. And unless Miami in a couple of years puts it all together and actually makes a run and that's when he'll start blowing saves again, because he can't handle the pressure. Uh, So he seems like a good guy, nothing against him personally, but get your head out of your ass, dude. You know, damn well why you got DFA. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's going to he's going to have 38 saves next year and everybody's going to be whining and bitching that he's in Miami now. But that's the only place he could thrive. Right. I mean, like he says, why? Why, Matt? Because you've sucked for a year and a half. You've been terrible for a year and a half. So much so that we made you fake an injury to hide you on the IL because we 
couldn't figure out what to do with you. And now we're hiding you in Miami because we will never be able to figure out what to do with you. And you are, you are the pitcher equivalent of, of Bobby Dahlbeck. Uh, Derek, I'll let you wrap this one up. Yeah. Can I say this on Matt Barnes real quick? Like considering what all, how good his first half of 2021 was like, Hey, his reasoning for uh, Bloom saying it was luck. Well, let's be honest. You start looking at the numbers and you compare his Woba and his ex-Woba, his ex-Woba and his ERA to his FIP and then to his expected FIP, even down the stretch. Is it, expect, is it all the stuff behind the scenes, all those behind the scenes numbers don't look great. Like they're not bad, but they don't look great. And then you also contribute to the fact, oh, that might be the best we're going to see Matt Barnes at. And they weren't great. Ooh, that's a little rough and he's going to go to Miami. He's not going to get like 30 saves in Miami. He's not going to close. First of all, whenever Sandy Alcantara pitches, he pitches a complete game. So they don't even use their bullpen for every fifth, every fifth game. So they only get four or five games to even touch the bullpen. And when they do touch the bullpen, he's not, he's not going to be their closer. I don't even think he's their closer. Like maybe he'll get a couple save opportunities. I don't think he's their best reliever. I don't even think he's their second best reliever. At best, he's their third best reliever. At absolute best. And you can make an argument he's not even their third best. I guess Matt Barnes wasn't part of Heim Bloom's secret plan. <laughs> hey, yeah, Matt Barnes guy. did say Heim has a plan, but, you know, he's not he part of it. didn't say that. And I thought of Joey. The first thing he said, that look, one thing I could say about Heim Bloom for everything I could say about him, he does have a plan. <laughs> and the first thought was, shh. You can't talk about the plan. It's a secret. It's a secret. <laughs> and Derek brought up his numbers, his advanced stats that don't look good. Barnes brought that up too in the inter- in the interview, saying, "You know what? I think we do way too much of this game on a spreadsheet. You know, woba and x woba and all these." He was talking about stats, these advanced stats, kind of like the way I talk about defensive uh, stats. And I just, I was just thinking, like he may, there may be some truth to that, but. If his advanced stats looked great, then he would have been saying like, all right, well, yeah, my ERA is not good, but look at my advanced stats. It's like just, you know, he's obviously upset. He doesn't want to have to leave Boston, but you cannot honestly say with a straight face, you did not see it coming. You can't say you were blindsided. No. And the reason I bring up stats like X, FIP, X, FIP, you know, all those stats, because the teams use them and they actually use them to help make their decisions. That's why I bring them up, you know, not as a, Hey, I know what this stat is. It's more of a, this is a stat, a team, the team, all the teams use. So you might want to know it, or here's this guy. Maybe this is why the team could think something, this guy. And with Matt Barnes, the advanced, advanced metric show. Yeah. You probably shouldn't have been as good as you were those last like 12 to 15 appearances. And he said in kind of like a, like knocking them, like, like, yo, know, these guys, they, they use these, we use all these advanced stats and it's like, like we're trying to predict something before it happens. And he was saying it like with a, with a mocking kind of tone, like we're trying to predict something before it even happens. Well, yeah, yeah. We're trying to predict, they're trying to predict who's going to be good for them and who wouldn't be good for them. What, what else do you think they're doing in those offices? Yeah, he, he doesn't like the advanced stats because they're telling the exact story that we all believed with our eyeballs, but he just didn't want to believe. Um, John, let's talk some Yankees. Uh, speaking of uh, pitchers that we've been disappointed by, uh, Frankie Montas, um, he's got an injury. He's going to be out, I 
think through May, I'm sure Derek knows the exact number. You might know the exact number. I think it's about June. He's going to come back. Um, that, that has not worked out well so far. And I want you to give me uh, your rundown and your thoughts on this. So first off, the last I saw, which was about two weeks ago, was prediction is he'll miss the first month of the season. So maybe being the Yankees, they always play conservative. Maybe we're looking at six weeks, um, whatever. I mean, the Yankees actually have a little bit of pitching depth and Montas isn't slated to be at the top of that rotation. So you have Cole, who's a bulldog and uh, rarely misses starts. So that's solid. Um, you know, we'll see what we get from Radon. Hopefully he stays healthy, at least the beginning of the contract. You got Cortez, who looked pretty, you know, looked like he's going to stay pretty solid. You got Severino, and, you know, Matas was really slotted in to be number five. You have Domingo Herman, who could come in and be that five-star, so you get uh, Matas. Not super concerned about it. You know, obviously he's been basically a non-factor so far. So, I mean, what's more of a non-factor at this point? Uh, the other thing, you know, that came up just recently uh, the other day with the Yankees in the rotation is that it looks like there's a bit of a falling out with Luis Severino and the Yankees because uh, the Yankees pretty much said, we don't want you pitching in the World Baseball Classic. For someone who gets injured as much as Luis Severino, I'm not sure why that came as a surprise. You know, you should have seen that coming. Maybe you probably shouldn't have even pitched in the world, wanted to pitch in the World Baseball Classic to begin with. So, you know, I know that's been an issue, but this looks to be, I believe this is the last year of Severino's contract. Um, you know, it's been an up and down ride, but it sounds like he's not really happy with the Yankees. They may not necessarily be thrilled with him. So we'll see how that plays into the season. But, you know, if he's pitching for a contract, maybe we can expect a full season out of him. I wouldn't be holding a fork with my right hand, if I was Luis Severino, I mean, pitching in the world baseball classic. I, this is the first that I've heard of this. I can't believe he would even entertain that idea. Right. Like, yeah, you have your wife feed you like, all right, that's your job. Like, all right, I pitch for yes. the, you, we make millions. Your job is to make sure I don't use this hand. Like if you have to jiggle for me, you jiggle for me. All right. <laughs> it's so it's, kind of got some Chapman vibes to it it sounds mm -hmm. like like not like obviously he's not a bust the way Chapman was but like the the kind of falling out with the organization so John let me ask you this where do you see this rotation well okay two questions first one where do you see this rotation uh opening day like who are your five what's your order here I think Cole is obviously number one Radon number two uh, I think Severino still deserves to be number three. Put break up the lefties too, right between Radon and Cortez. So Cortez comes in four, so he goes right, left, right, left, and then Domingo Herman is the fifth starter. And then you assume by the time Montaus gets back, one of those guys is likely going to be ready for a DL stint. So or IL stint, <laughs> whatever. Um, so yeah, Cortez like, probably. Yeah, Cortez, you don't have you don't worry about Cortez after the second half of last season. Well, that's exactly it. I think my biggest concerns would be Radon because of his history, Severino because of his history, or Cortez just threw more innings than he's ever thrown before. So your only concerns are three of the five starting pitches. Exactly right. <laughs> What's it Cortez? Was, I know what that's. I know what that's like. <laughs> Wasn't Cortez just like a like a fake wash though? Like, I mean, weren't weren't they essentially saying like? 
we're giving him some rest to to make sure he's good to go in October. I mean, like when they were asking him about it, he didn't even have an answer. They were like, "What's your injury?" And he was like, "Ah, my arm." I mean, like he didn't he didn't even notice. Like, like he was just lying through his fucking teeth. <laughs> it's like load management in basketball. That's what they did. It's just like a load management, except they didn't say it. They were just like, "We're gonna give him a like, exactly. We're like, gonna like skip Steph a start." Just like sat out in San Antonio because it was a waste of time. It's like exactly. So I I'm kind of confused why teams are all coy with this. Like I don't know why they don't just say that. Just yeah, we're gonna put him on the IL. I mean, I get okay, I get you can't. Technically, it's probably, probably illegal. In some you can't way, put yeah. him on the IL. <laughs> can't put him yeah, the IL you unless he's hurt. On the IL for it. So he just goes, ah, my arm hurts. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, arm. you could just say fatigue Arms, is the. You know. Yeah, yeah the whole Michael Walker oh, dead arm. Yeah. <laughs> oh dead God. Arm. No, what, what they called it something else though. They called it heavy arm. That's right. They called it heavy oh, yeah, arm. Heavy arm. That Michael sounds Walker, even who still doesn't sounds... have a job, but you know whatever. Yes. Uh, can I say this on the Yankees rotation real quick? There's like a legitimate chance. Like Nestor Cortez was had, I think, finished higher in signing voting than Garrett Cole last year. Either he was just ahead of Cole or just behind Cole. Carlos Rodon, the last few years, you could argue, but overall has been better than Garrett Cole. Like there's a legitimate chance Cole might be the third best starter in this rotation over the course of a season, which sounds <laughs> wild, but it's like there's a legitimate chance of it. That would be the best problem to have. Like, I think I, in a perfect world, I would love for that to happen. So, Derek, I hope you were right. But, like, I'm like, like you, like, Rodon led the MLB in FIP last year, and, and like, not even that close among starters, qualified starters. Like, Cole was very good last year, but he wasn't like Cy Young Cole, right? And Nestor Cortez was like very good, like, you know, top seven or eight starter in the AL last year. Like that's that's like you cannot complain about having that problem at all. That's like a more of a problem for everyone else besides the Yankees. Yeah, and when cons- Severino pitched, he was electric, but he just didn't pitch that <laughs> often. It's conceivable that Garrett Cole and Clayton Kershaw will be number four starters, you know, by the end of the season on their teams. Well, Kershaw's no no chance. He's the one in LA. No chance. He's probably gonna pitch opening day though. Oh, uh, they might give it to Julio Urias. He should. He's the he's the incumbent. I'd say give it to Urias. He's on a contract year. No. Give it to Urias. Sign for a contract extension and ride. Although, if, I, if I'm on another team, I'm saying don't sign him to an extension. Don't give him the qualifying offer. We're giving him like a nine year deal because he's still only like 26. During free agency, you don't want to go yeah. back to them. They wouldn't even make you the opening day starter. <laughs> the hey, that'd be my pitch if I was the Red Sox to Julio Urias next offseason. I'm like, hey, you want to start opening day there? You can start he's opening day for And us. you won't do it here either. <laughs> no, he'll do it here. I don't know. He'll put it, he'll put it in his contract. He has to start opening day. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Luke, I'm ready to accept your challenge. And I'm ready to bust out the baseball trade values website. And uh, I want to, uh, I want to give it my own shot. I already know that I'm going to do better than you. So let's do it. I want scammy McGuire to hold your feet to the fire throughout these whole negotiations. I don't want anything in good faith. (laughs) Okay. All right, Derek, you are Mike Rizzo of the Washington nationals. Okay. And for folks at home, I'm not going to say this to Mike's face, but the Nationals might be the saddest baseball team I've ever seen in my entire life. I think I would rather face some high school junior varsity teams than face this year's Washington Nationals team. Okay, so I'm going there to do them a favor. So 
Mike, here's what I'm thinking. Okay. You guys need some help, right? And, and I got a way to help you. You need something exciting on your baseball team this year because you just don't have that. Okay. Let's be honest with ourselves. You need some pop. You need some speed. Okay. You need guys that are going to sell tickets. Okay. And I got two guys that Boston, not their market, but when they go to DC and you know, you got a couple of years where you're working your way up, you're going to have a leadoff hitter and a cleanup hitter on your hands. Okay. I'm going to start with Jaron Duran, Jaron Duran, a speedster. He's bulked up this year too. Okay. We're, we're talking, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to say five tool player, but we're talking four tool player. Okay. Right. They're feeling a little bit desired, but you know, you can play left. You got Lane Thomas in center. Right. And then I got a first baseman for you. That's going to back clean up that for what you need him to be Bobby Dahlbeck. He's going to hit 40 bombs for your team. Okay. We don't have a spot for him anymore. Right. We've made that clear. He's in Worcester for us, or he's, he's lighting it up for you all. You got two guys that make for a really exciting baseball team. And because I'm about to ask for one of your pitchers. I'm going to throw in Brian Mata, okay? Triple-A, borderline major league ready, okay? You've got guys under team control for years. They're cheap. I know that's what the guys upstairs are saying, okay? I got them for you. What I want, Josiah Gray, okay? I know, I know, I know. I know he's your opening day starter, right? But what you're swapping out right here is one team control guy for three, okay? Three things that you need. You need speed, you need power, and you're going to get a Josiah Gray type in Brian Mata, okay? You should be, you should be thanking me right now. I'm not thanking you for that, <laughs> Neil. Um, here, here, here's the thing. We, we really like Josiah Gray. We know he had some of his struggles last year, um, but we are still very high on him. He's one of those uh, – him and Caber Ruiz were the two big pieces coming back in our trade where we sent Trey Turner and Max Scherzer to L.A. I'm not super fond of getting rid of him. Also, too, um, Victor Robles is our starting center fielder. Can you not disrespect his elite defense, please? Thank you. Oof. Okay. Right. Um, th- that's more of a personal thing for me. I actually really like his defense. He's actually, like, elite defensively. But moving on yeah. for Victor Robles. So, that's tough. Yeah. I think you should close off negotiations for that insult he just gave you. <laughs> No, um, we'll try. Uh, but I'm willing to listen. He likes what I'm my saying. My asking here. price saying. is there. This is not going to be a small asking price, and I want. I don't just want like a two two for one trade. I want quantity here. I'm okay with taking Brian Mata. However, I also want Wilkerman Gonzalez, Luis Perales, Elmer Rodriguez Cruz, and Jetson Pies as a conditional player to be named later. That will be based off performance incentives for Josiah Gray. If he pitches either 150 innings next year or has a sub four ERA, one of the two, he just has to do one of the two. Um, you would also get Jettison Pius. I hear you. Okay. I hear everything you're saying. And, and I'm not against that as a starting point. However, what I think you're missing from what I'm saying is that you will not be sitting behind that desk come September if you guys don't win at least 45 games, okay? You need something, something for this year. We do have something. I've got guys, you don't. And I've got guys (laughs) that have potential that we have just phased out, okay? 
that we have decided that we're going short term versus long term. We don't have the time to wait. You do. Okay. And you need some guys. Listen, I've been in Nats Park. It's a beautiful baseball field. Okay. That the side of that build inside of that team store, you've got those giant banners that used to have Juan Soto and Max Scherzer and Trey Turner on them. You got to have somebody that we know and love. Bobby Dahlbeck, he's lovable. We're keeping Ryan Zimmerman up there. Jaron Duran. I can't say he's lovable, but he's exciting. Okay. Okay. You need, you need to sell some tickets, Mike. And um, I hear what you're saying about the future. You need to take one of these two guys. I'm leaving them here. I brought them with me. Okay. They're going to, one of them's going to stay. We don't want anything to do with Jaron Duran. (laughs) Or Bobby Dahlbeck. Duran, I don't honestly, I don't know if he starts for us. And that feels like a little bit of a waste. And Bobby Dahlbeck, no offense, he's not starting for us either. Um, yeah, we maybe could try and squeeze him in, but that's not what we're doing. We want we're here in a full-blown rebuild. Um getting a MLB pieces aren't necessarily a thing. Also, too, Brian Matta takes up the 40-man spot of just uh, gray leaving, so we're not really interested in bringing other guys who are already who have to go on the 40-man roster here um so i'm not crazy over that um but if you want to give me some uh i don't so i don't want to do duran or dahlbeck i want to do i want to do Pirellis. i want to do erc i'm a rodriguez cruz i want jason Piaz as a conditional player to be named later i'm willing to discuss on welcoming gonzalez Listen, we're going to drop Wilkeman because uh, I like him, okay? And, and Mike, I'm, I'm going to tell you up front that I'm going to accept your deal, minus Wilkeman. Except, except, I just want you to know, okay, that your successor is really going to love these guys, okay? But listen, you have played a dirty game here tonight. Hey, right? I'm when not I, done. No, I'm not I, done. When I called you two years ago and I wanted Kyle Schwarber, you took – a bucket of balls okay and now all of a sudden you become this great negotiator mike i thought we had a good relationship i'm gonna miss uh, you well guess what my trade's off not done i will replace with <laughs> gonzalez but i also want chase medroff i want chase medroff oh give me the list one more time so it is brian mata luis perales elmer rodriguez cruz if we're gonna take out welcome gonzalez then it's Chase Medroff and uh, Jetix and Pias. And he's our player to be named later. Conditional. Well, he's a conditional, conditional essentially. Right. So Which Josiah I'll Gray do because there's 100. no way in hell Josiah Gray pitches yes. 150 innings. So I'll hold on to Or him. sub for, for you, all right? Ooh. If you, if you get him to stop throwing his fastballs as much as possible because he gave up 24 homers off his fastball last year. Which is why we still have faith in him because we feel like – we maybe introduce a sinker instead of a fastball. We still have high hopes for him. I don't know. I don't know who this is. Okay. This is not the guy I negotiated with at the trade deadline in 2021. Okay. Mike, I'll take the deal. And uh, it was nice knowing you. Cool. Thanks. You took my, you took my, uh, didn't even get anywhere near my settle offers. So thank you very much. <laughs> My, I had two I had two trade offers down. You ready for this? I had no. Mata, Wilkem and Gonzalez, Perales, ERC, and Paez. Just My second trade guys. offer was literally taking out Gonzalez for Medroff. So 
Yeah. So what's the one. what's the trade that was actually consummated <laughs> it's Josiah, here? Josiah Gray for Brian Mata, Luis Perales, Elmer Rodriguez Cruz, Chase Medroth, and Jedickson Pies as a conditional player to be named later. So I essentially just took the Red Sox top pitching prospect and all their low minors pitching prospects, plus their fourth round pick from last year. For a guy with a 5.17 career ERA. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Number one. Number one. Okay. I will say that didn't go the way I wanted it to go, but <laughs> that's you because don't what say. I was trying to do was get fucking rid of Bobby Dahlbeck. Hey, <laughs> he if you take... said I will give you Bobby Dahlbeck and you and but Jackson Pius isn't a player to be named later. And we actually just oh, that's what I said, Derek. Actually, I just don't want Bobby Dalbeck on this team anymore. Okay, if you give me Bobby Dalbeck, I will take I would, I would have taken Jackson. Also, okay, I'm sorry. You tried to assume that both both Duran and Dalbeck would not be starting immediately in DC is asinine. You want me? No, no, mm -mm. you tried to sell Jaron Duran as their leadoff hitter and Bobby Dalbeck as their cleanup hitter (laughs) because they would be. That's why they're so sad. They're so sad, (laughs) they would not be. Um, who you who you got in those spots, Derek? Before we move on, um, I'm looking at the national. Well, I'm just looking positionally wise. Duran's not playing center. We have Victor Robles, and you can say was hitting, but his defense is elite, and he's got elite speed. He's a defensive substitute at best. No, but we're the Nationals. Let's be honest. Lane Thomas is our right fielder, and we just signed Corey Dickerson this offseason to play left field. Oh wow, that's what a, what a great team! We have got Dom there, Smith at first base and Joey Meneses at DH. So unless Dalbeck is in a platoon with Dom Smith, I mean he's not playing every day. What he's you're looking at, Mike, lefties. is a bunch of old farts. Okay, because somebody's got to stay. Well, we also we're trying to get the first overall pick. Future, so listen. you know. <laughs> All right, Lou Brown's Cleveland Indians in Major League. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, no, I, I was gonna try and get uh, I was gonna try and get uh, Kyle Finnegan and also try and squeeze Blaze Jordan, but I knew that wasn't gonna yeah, happen. Yeah, that ain't happen because you love Blaze Jordan. As, as Luke said, I love my low A uh, infield guys, however, that's because which I is why them. I took all For the pitchers that are eventual going to trade next value year. and not because I believe that they will be uh, on the team. Um, all right, I landed in Texas. I don't even know who's the GM in Texas. I have no clue. So you're him. And, <laughs> and uh, what I can tell you guys are doing here, um, whatever your name is, is you guys are trying to win now while also trying to win in the future. It's a difficult thing, right? You guys have gone all in on some free agents, right? It's Chris Young, by the way, believe it or not. Chris Young is their GM. Believe it or not. I don't think it's that Chris Young. Would not that Chris Young. Like CY Chris Young? No, no, no. Um, you guys have, have gone big on guys like DeGrom, Evaldi, Simeon, Seeger. Okay, you're trying to trying to do it now while also trying to hold on to some prospects. Okay. But you got some spots on this on this minor league ro- on this major league roster, excuse me, that you can fill. Okay. You could use one more righty in the bullpen. You could use an outfielder, right? a fourth outfielder, granted, but an outfielder, a guy who has been around the block, right? He's, he's become sort of a model for American League East uniforms, if you will, okay? And you could use a lefty in that rotation. I'm going to offer you three guys because I'm going to offer you three guys 
that you look at these advanced stats, they're insane. Okay. Ryan Brazier. There's a reason why we've been holding on to him. Okay. We like him, but you might like him a little bit more. James Paxton. Okay. We've been holding on to him for a while. He's what you could need. And Rob Ref Snyder. Sorry, Taylor. I'm sorry. Okay. Rob Ref Snyder. And Incarnacion in the minors. What I Brandy want. Thank you. What I want is some guys that because I'm giving you these fellas, you'll no longer need. Okay. And uh, I, I think could uh, help out with my secret plan. I'm looking for one Bubba Thompson first, because I love his name. Bubba Thompson. <laughs> that's, that's a baseball name. If I've ever heard one, this is a guy with some speed. Okay. And uh, let's listen between us. Jaron Duran, he's going to Washington soon. Okay. No, I need some speed. No one's on taking him. No one's taking him. <laughs> I, I and, can read uh, you like a book. <laughs> and Bubba Thompson, he's going to help. Okay. I also want Cole Raggins because I'm giving you a lefty starter. I want a lefty starter in return. Okay. What I'm trying to do, John, or whatever your name is, Chris, is help you guys win the World Series this year. Okay. You need a couple pieces to put you over the edge. Cole Raggins is no James Paxton. Okay. Bubba Thompson, he's not going to impact your team this year. You guys want to win this year in a tough division. I can help you do that. Some major league pieces that are ready to go. Prove it. Great advanced metrics and a prospect for when you're trying to win in a couple of years as well. Um, well, I'll start here. I'm willing to listen on Raggins and Bubba Thompson. I'm willing to listen on both of them. Um, James Paxton doesn't do it for me. Too many injury question marks. Um, we do have to already have two lefties in the rotation. So just it's not really a fit, um, at least in my opinion. It's not really a fit. And like I said, just too injury prone. We don't really want to do that um, without any proof. He can still pitch to the James Paxton that – we know he was. Um, Ryan Brazier, we're not really interested in that either. Um, and even Rob Refsnyder, um, we don't feel like he's a piece that we necessarily need. He'd be nice, but we don't need him. Um, and then Fraley and Carnacion, um, we actually have other ideas for prospects involved. Um, so my counter offer is going to be uh, Nathan Hickey, Matthew Lugo, and I was planning to use Chase Medjoff, but I heard you did actually give him to uh, Washington instead. Um, so I'll throw in uh, Tyler Uberstein as our third player in this deal. Tyler Uberstein, okay. You know, lots of projections said that this guy's got some surprising stuff, okay. So I get what you're saying here. What I want to do is I want to leave here with Raggins and Thompson. So I'm going to do that. Okay. One person that is not going to arrive here in Arlington is Nathan. Hickey. You mean, you mean, uh, oh, you mean, I'm not. Okay. I'm going to listen Nathan to that. Hickey. Okay. Nathan Hickey, Smooch. Okay. He is our catcher of the future. And I know you can appreciate that in Texas. And, and I think that if I, if I just ask you politely, to replace smooch with somebody else you've got some guys in mind and you'll do that and so 
I'm asking as a favor, Chris, um, to swap him out, and then we'll probably be pretty close to a deal. Um, I'll swap him out. We're going to do a little bit of deal maneuvering here. Um, I'll swap him out for, I'll swap him out for Brooks Brandon, who is another catcher in your system. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd be willing to do that. However, I would want to up Tyler Uberstein to, um, I would want to up Tyler Uberstein to Wilkman Gonzalez. And I want $500,000 of international signing bonus pool money. Yeesh. All right. Let's back up a little bit. I'm leaving here with Raggins and Thompson. You want Gonzalez, Brannon, and the other? Uh, Matthew Lugo. Lugo. Lugo, yes. You can take Lugo. Uh, listen, um, the, money, the money ain't going to happen. I'll, I'll tell you that up front, Chris. Okay. Uh, we're, we're, we're petty pinching right now in Boston. And uh, that, that's just that's just not going to happen. I know you, Derek, are, are a big fan of uh, of conditional players to be named later. Um, so maybe we could start with something like that. Right. You know, uh, we make the playoffs. You make the playoffs, something like that. You know, we could figure it out. But the money, you know, the, the money is our a thing that we're worried about right now. So are we okay? Well, that doesn't sound kind of against your electric tax, first of all, actually. No, I know. I'm just saying. I, but I know. But okay. John Henry, so you know we, how he can be, are, right? Right. So are we are we okay on Raggins and Thompson for Brooks Brandon, Matthew Lugo, and Wilco Gonzalez? Are we okay on that? First of all, that's the first question. Uh, I'm going to say I like it for now. I want to hear what you have to say next. Okay. So – Here's my other other uh, offer. What I would like to do is maybe add, um, you know, maybe add a little something to our uh, system. Um, so how about this? We're not necessarily looking for anyone on the 40 man, but we want someone who can compete in spring training and, you know, maybe fight for a roster spot. Um in the bullpen, maybe, or maybe as a starter, we'll see, depending on where you guys are looking at it. But we'd like to bring in Dan Altavia, but not on a conditional player to be named later. Reliever. Here's what I'm Missed thinking. last year due to Tommy John. Let's put all these together, okay? Brandon, right? We, we just drafted him. We like the guy. So, I, listen, I like him. I know that you like him. It's a big piece right here. Okay, Brandon, Lugo, we go back to Uberstein. And then we make the fellow you just mentioned, our conditional player to be named later, and you've got a deal. Um, if we take out, um, let me see, hold on. So, okay. John let's has scratch walked away, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's scratch let's out <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm looking, I'm looking something up because I want to make sure what picks. Let's take out, scratch out Altavia. I'll do Uberstein, I'll do Lugo, and I'll do Brooks Brandon. However, I want one of your comp picks in next year's draft, which is, uh, I think, after the fourth round. Either that, either that, or 
you can give me a million dollars in international signing bonus money, which is actually half of what that slot bonus would be. I'll give you the pick, and that's because I am looking for some guys who are going to impact this ball club in two years, three years. I think that's what you're giving me here, and not guys who are going to impact this team in six years. And so um, I'm leaving with what I wanted. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm dropping off less than I wanted to drop off, so I'm good to go. Thanks, Derek. All right. I'm pretty sure off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure you can trade comp picks. So I just thought about it. I think that's a new thing head. now. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure. So, so give it to us. Worst case time. scenario, we'll just use insert money um, as however much money that slot is worth. Give us in the, case uh, the final, the final uh, deal here. So it is. Um, so it's Cole Raggins and Bubba Thompson. For two Brooks great baseball Brandon. names, two great baseball players. <laughs> for Brooks Brannon. Matthew Lugo, Tyler Uberstein, and then uh, one of your comp picks in the for, after the fourth round. We'll take. We'll thing. even take the one more thing. One. Anytime one of our minor league teams comes through your town, okay. Anytime Salem comes through Round Rock, whatever they don't play each other. You get what I'm saying, okay? I want your guys to take our guys out to dinner. That's <laughs> fine. I'll even pay for it myself. Thank you. Red Lobster, please. All right. Now, can I say this? That's, that's this a great, that's is a great meal accepted. for single layers, by the way. This trade is officially accepted. Nathan Hickey was drafted in the fifth round, and I got a fourth round pick out of you. Ooh, uh, yeah, Hickey's – what I, what I wanted here in this deal, now that we're done, and I can be honest with you, Derek, what I wanted in this deal is guys who are going to be ready in a couple years and, and valuing less guys that yeah. can be ready in six years. Yeah. No, that, I, that I, was, I know. That was the Hickey to Brandon. Yeah. Well, they're both, I think Hickey's going to be one level ahead of Brandon. Um, Brandon was a ninth round pick. I'm pretty sure this past year, Hickey was a fifth round pick the year before Brandon. Um, realistically, I'm looking at it from Texas perspective, though. I wanted to bring in a catching prospect if possible, if possible. Um, and I got that accomplished and then, you know, brought in a piece like Matthew Lugo, help upper middle. Obviously we still, we have a guy like Luis Angel Acuna, who's Ronald Acuna Jr.'s little brother, if you don't know. I think he's a little brother, a little cousin, one of the two. Can't remember off the top of my head, actually. Um, but yeah, some good, uh, some good bloodlines there. Um, we got some other prospects too in our system that were really high. And so, adding these guys to the mix, we're excited about that. So what I've done here, Luke, um, to show why I did a better job than you, is I didn't give a shit about how good this team was this year because it's a wash. Okay, we are winning the World Series in 2025, 2026. And I just the made that happen. Josiah Gray and Bubba Thompson and Cole Rangins, whatever his name is. Raggins. You got three. You got three mids, and you gave up like ten no. guys. <laughs> all of the all of the good mids, pitching prospects. Maybe mids and. I mean, to be fair, I got like all the pitching prospects in the system. Like, I'm not joking. Besides welcoming Gonzalez and like Brandon Walter and Chris Murphy, I got like every pitching prospect. But you, oh, but you got for, to keep, except for the seven best guys, you got them all. Whatever. But Pat got to keep Brazier, De, Brainer Da Vinci, so he's happy. <laughs> Brainer Bonacci. Who, yeah, what? I think Brainer I got to a lot of Brazier. Bonacci. The one thing I will the give you, descendant Luke, of was, one of the greatest minds in history. <laughs> the one thing I will give you, Luke, is I was trying to get rid of both Brazier and Jared Duran, and Derek saw straight through my bullshit. No. Uh, I'm of course looking, he I'm did. Like, like I'm like I'm obviously gonna see that. I literally so I brought I brought it to the group that you know next our next podcast that we have you know the group of us or at least me and Pat together. Um, that's not uh, one of our pro uh our one of our shows that we got planned for next week that we're gonna do, um in a Twitter space. But 
we'll probably talk about that a little bit later. But I told, I'm like, well, I'll, I'll start, I'll be at the Red Sox next time and I'll ask, uh, get to send two trades to Pat and we can kind of run it back. So, and maybe I can't wait. so everyone, so everyone was hating on John and I for the deals that we made. <laughs> now, you know, it, Pat has seen, it is not so easy. Uh, you can't dealing, give me a rebuilding the, team. Dealing with the baseball trade values website and Derek the cyborg um, yeah. Derek drives instead. a tough bargain I will give you <laughs> to that. be fair Jedix and Piaz like I, I the only reason I said conditional player he's not in the BTV system so I'm like oh, well we'll make him a conditional player to be named later but I, I do want to say on Josiah Gray though like legitimately gave up 24 home runs on his fastball last year but his curve I think it was curveball and sliders two other pitches there were very solid. Just that's what I'm saying. Absolutely smashed. That's what I'm saying. You give them to Dave Bush, we're winning the World Series in 2024. Oh, I don't know about Dave Bush. You might need a better Yeah, me neither, actually. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, we'll quickly address something that Derek just said. This Wednesday, so you're listening to the show Monday morning, Monday, February 6th. Uh, this Wednesday, Wednesday, February 8th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, Derek and I are launching a new show. Luke's going to hop on this first episode. We're calling it From Farm to Fenway, and we're going to talk about um, uh, a bunch of Red Sox prospects and what the farm system is looking like and if it is as sustainable and um, ever replenishing as Haim wants it to believe and believes that it might be. And um, we're going to talk about all the guys she wants to talk about. Even I know that Bayo isn't technically considered a prospect anymore, but we have some Bayo questions. We're going to talk about Cassis this year. We're going to talk about Rafaela, David Hamilton, the World Baseball Classic, what we're going to see in spring training, um, a bunch of stuff. We're going to host a live space Wednesday night. So you want to hop on the show. There's going to be some time at the end that if you're around, uh, you can answer, you can ask some questions that. Um, uh, our, our genius here, Derek, will answer. And we're just going to talk about um, uh, sort of preseason, what we expect um, uh, the, the Red Sox minor leaguers to be given us this year. Derek, yeah. you want to say anything about our new show? Yeah, we'll talk about all those low weight, uh, 2023 low weight pitchers that I just took from you, too. Paralysis, <laughs> ERC, Piaz. We'll talk about all of them, too. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not worried about 2029 anymore. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, other two guys, you, you want to stick around for this brawl or you want to leave or, or how do you want to do this? <laughs> I have never seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so I, I don't know. Uh, where I will say heading into this brawl is that Last Jedi was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> He's saying that because I'm a fan of The Last Jedi. And oh my God. I, He's trying to get in my head. To any listeners, Luke and I argued over whether or not The Last Jedi was a good movie every day for like three weeks. So that's why that joke was funny. It was an inside joke. There's the inside. Do you like Rise of Skywalker? John loved The Rise of Skywalker, and I didn't like that one. I liked Rise of Skywalker. I didn't love Rise of Skywalker. You guys both have something wrong with you. And Derek, I don't think you've ever seen a movie in your entire life. No. And I've seen Moneyball. I watched Little Big Your League favorite baseball movie is Rookie of the Year. So. No, it was Little Big League. No, Little no, Big League. I, I, I threw no, up in my mouth when he, put, when he tweeted that out that list. That was favorite. That was in order of importance to me in my childhood. Okay, I'll give it. Because I watched that movie about 100 times in my childhood. You can't he had Little Big that. League and Rookie of the Year in his top three baseball and movies. And Angels in the Outfield. Oh, my I God. threw up in my mouth. Oh my god. I mean you can't you can't disagree with somebody's childhood, but it was a bit of a troll too. Major League 61 and then I don't know, whatever. You would like 61. 
It's the, one of the best baseball movies of all yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I was going to write about it for the site in, in the midst of Judge's 61 chase. And I was like, why am I going to do this? I don't like the Yankees. Like, what am I going to say here? <laughs> I hate the Yankees. I do like the movie. But Major League is the undisputed number one. I won't hear any other. I won't hear any. I won't listen to anybody who claims that it's not. All right, Luke. It's so these two fellows are going to say goodbye. Do you have any any parting words, either one of you? I think yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm staying around for this. Oh, oh, okay. Derek could be our timekeeper. Yeah, I'm going to go watch 61. I'll see you guys. <laughs> All right, see you, All right, Derek. We're going to do. We don't have time for a full brawl. Okay, so what I'm pitching to you, Luke, is that we do uh, that segment. You know, when we do the full hour long thing, there's that. 10 12 minutes in the middle where we just ask each other questions i'm pitching that we just do that here Derek gives us like a 10 minute five minute three minute two minute warning something like that how does that sound sure sounds good all right so Derek, set the clock we'll start with 12 give us you know warnings every couple and uh luke you're the one that has a problem with this movie so i'll let you start happy to so let me start by saying I love Quentin Tarantino movies. Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, Reservoir Dogs, and Pulp Fiction are some of the best movies ever. Uh, at least two of those are probably in my top 10, 15 of all time. Um, uh, unfortunately, Quentin Tarantino has reached the point where studios, colleagues, crew members, anybody who works for or with him offer no criticism or negative feedback or any really tell him anything except once he, what he wants to hear at any point. I'm convinced of that. He's in Martin Scorsese territory. He's in Steven Spielberg territory where, you know, he says something, everyone's like, all right, that's gotta be gold because Quentin says it, which I don't blame for the reputation uh, that he earned until this movie in my, in my mind. So Quentin Tarantino makes whatever he wants, however he wants to make it with no restrictions. And in this case, with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, his he let his art that artistic freedom completely run amok and make, as I said, it, it essentially a two hour and 40 minute episode of Saturday Night Live. It's a bunch of sketches that are some of them are interesting in their own ways. Some of them are funny. They're all nice to look at. But it's it's it feels like five movies like he made five different movies, threw them into blender into a blender and they spun it all around and what came out was just a total self-indulgent smoothie of crap um so i guess i'll just start by i'll go asking my questions um that i prepared for you um what would you say pat once and once upon a time in hollywood is about all right so I, first i want to address what you just said and i'll answer your question number one what i think that we're looking at here is the best tarantino movie now i do i'm not saying oh my it is god the, it, no 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 let me distinguish it is not the best movie that tarantino has made okay um once upon a hollywood on that list probably fall three four maybe five okay however it is the most tarantino of all of his movies okay and i'm not trying to sit around and be a qt fanboy but what, you, what you're looking at here is a movie that is could only exist number one if he made the eight movies before Right. I mean, this is a guy who is working his way, you know, crafting his symphonies all the way up to his opus. Right. And he has made the movie that he's always wanted to make, 
but needed to make eight movies up until that point to do so. He needed to make he needed to meet Leonardo DiCaprio. He needed to meet Brad Pitt. He needed to work with those guys, right? He needed to to find his his Cliff Booth, and he needed to find his uh, uh, Leo's character's name, which I can't remember off the top of my head right now, right? Rick Dalton. Okay, what he's done here is he has made the love letter to cinema that he's always wanted to make. Right when when Lady Snowblood becomes Kill Bill, and when Inglorious Bastards becomes Inglorious Bastards, right? He's he spent an entire career uh, taking his favorite movies, crafting homages to them, right, and and doing exactly what you said, what you sort of you know uh, disparage him for doing, right? Taking his cinematic influences, putting them all in a blender, and making his version of it. Okay, this is the best Tarantino movie because it is exactly what he's wanted it to be over the course of, of 30 years of making movies. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, is about the transitional point in America, 1969, when many people believe, I don't know, I wasn't alive then, uh, Luke, I know that you were, I know you're way older than me, but uh, I wasn't alive in 1969, but many historians believe to be the tipping point. Uh, in, in American history, because of an event that we sort of almost see in the film, the the Charles Manson murders, okay? And Manson, to the public eye, totally took out um, the, the, the fun and the great vibes and the optimism of 60s hippie culture and made it scary, right? He made hippies scary. And he made free love and, and recreational drugs and all these things uh, a bad thing. Right. And what many people believe to be the sort of uh, uh, I don't want to say tipping point again, but the fulcrum of when culture in America became more about hating things than liking things. And what he says at the end of this movie, when spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it, if you haven't seen it, I don't know why you'd be listening to this right now, unless you're Derek. Uh, when the Manson family does not kill Sharon Tate and has instead killed themselves, we are sent off into this alternate universe where America does not go down this dark path and we can instead keep the things that we love like television Westerns and Sharon Tate movies and free love instead of being scared by the future. So was there, is there any way you would have gotten all of that, made that interpretation if you hadn't seen interviews with Quentin Tarantino, like before and after the movie? Because like, you're all taking things that you're not looking at the screen and getting all of this from somebody, unless you've got beforehand, you're, you're prepped, you've seen interviews with him, you've seen stuff about him and it's like i don't i don't have any issue i know he always took things from previous uh movies filmmakers and whatever and borrowed them i guess you could say i don't have any problem with that um you know i just think yeah like you were saying he he took all of this he took all of the things that he really loves about movies and and about this time period and just made that he he made something for himself and he made this movie for himself, not audiences. And he's always done this. He admits to doing this. Uh, but this time he literally just only made something that he would like to watch. And I think most people watch this movie and really don't like it that much, but they just convince themselves that they do because it's like, well, Quentin Tarantino did it. And it's so Tarantino-ish that 
it must be good. So like, yeah, I like it. Like, cause he knows more about movie. He's seen every movie in the world and he's seen every movie in the world twice. And he's, he knows everything about movie history. So it's like, you know, if an astronaut, you know, told me that the space shuttle was powered by a chocolate pudding, I'd be like, Oh, stop it. You're like, no, seriously. The space shuttle is powered by chocolate pudding. I, what, what choice do I have? Just throw my arms up and be like, okay. Yeah, it must be powered by chocolate pudding. So it's like, this is what Tarantino is going. Look, look, this is a great movie. No, no, it's not. I, I don't really like it. No, uh, look, I don't know I'm how you Tarantino. Say, it's a good movie. All right. I don't right, know how you movie. can say that a movie that has Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Some great Margot acting. Robbie. Okay, not only three fantastic actors, three people that nobody minds looking at, right? You add in... Uh, Bruce Dern, Al Pacino, Austin Butler, Margaret Qualley, Maya Hawke, Sidney Sweeney. I don't know how you see those people on screen and say, this is not a movie for me. This is not a movie for audiences. Audiences have never loved Al Pacino or Brad Pitt or Margot Robbie. This is a but movie not- for this man and this man only. But you're sitting to watch a movie. You're not sitting there just to watch a bunch of actors just read lines. You want it all to to make a story that we you all can follow hate and looking stuff at like Margot that. Robbie. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I well, like well, look at the. I'll name a bunch of scenes for you and okay. a, a bunch of scenes in this movie that really did not have to be there and really have no bearing bearing on any kind of story because there's no plot in this movie. And Tarantino always says, "Oh my." My movies don't have plots. They all do. He, it's just something he says. But this one literally didn't have one. So Cliff fighting Bruce Lee. Sharon Tate just sitting there for what feels like 25 minutes watching her movie in the theater, watching the movie that she's in. Um, okay, let's go through some of these. Number one. Hold on. Cliff, uh, a couple more. Cliff talking to the blind guy for seemingly a half hour. Okay, I'll give you that the- one. <laughs> And the, and the fight and the last scene, the climax scene at the end, like, why did that even happen? Why, what, what's the impetus that made that final fight, that final scene uh, where everybody gets killed? What's the impetus for all that happening? Well, one thing, and, and you know, um, I, I will defer part of this to, to your point, which is one of the things that Tarantino clearly wanted to do, and if not for himself a little bit, is, is do this love letter to Sharon Tate, right? We lost her too soon. What a tragedy. She was a beautiful actress. She was a regular person who lived regular days. And now she's become this you know, sort of figure of tragedy. And in the end, she doesn't have to be that, right? She gets to live and she gets to be happy, right? Uh, Roman Polanski doesn't make the bad decisions that he makes later on. You get the idea, right? Um, however, what I think he's trying to do, and I think maybe you just missed here, Luke, is that taking something that he loves and he feels like nobody else understands, giving it to us, giving it to us in the form of Margot Robbie, whom we all know and love, and saying, Sharon Tate was Margot Robbie, and Sharon Tate is someone that you should appreciate and love just as much as I do. Okay, well, then, if he made the movie about Sharon Tate, I could understand that, but Sharon Tate's in, like, I feel like Sharon Tate's in about four minutes of this movie, All Things Told, and it doesn't really, like, she's in the movie just for her not to be killed at the end. Like they don't even show up at the right house. Like the final, the climax scene only happens. It's not like this built up to a confrontation with Rick and Cliff and the Manson family. They went to the wrong friggin' house. And that's the only reason any of it happened. And so I know we're running low on time here. So I'm just wrapping it up by saying, 
look, yes, Quentin Tarantino is infatuated with late 60s Hollywood, the Manson family, hot girls' feet, endless dialogue scenes that don't particularly go anywhere, and cartoony violence. And I never had any problems with any of those things when he plastered them all over his other movies. I liked all his other good movies because I felt like they built as a story and they took the narrative arc that stories and movies are supposed to take and it led to a satisfying ending and when I watched it I fell asleep the first time I watched this not because I'm saying it was so terrible dull I fell asleep it was just late at night and so I woke up right at the end right when Cliff smashed in this girl's face into a telephone and I'm like what the hell did I miss I gotta watch this again I watched it again the next morning and it didn't make any more sense. It was like, why did any of this happen at the end? What did I just watch? So listeners at home, what Luke has admitted in my final point here, what Luke has admitted is that he didn't watch the movie correctly and didn't give it a fair shake and then got upset at the movie when he was sleepy. I, I mean, no, I, I, I watched it again the next day. I watched it again the next day. Yeah, but then you had, a, like then you had, then, then you, you know, you, you knew how it was going to end, right? You were questioning how it was going to get there. And when it didn't take it, this linear path to get there, right? All it did was prove the point that you had at, at two o'clock in the morning the night before. Well, if you need an instruction manual to watch and appreciate a movie, then maybe the movie isn't that good to begin with. And I'm not saying like, this is a, it's a horrible movie and he should be ashamed for making it, whatever. And I don't mind so much that it made that it didn't follow the traditional narrative arc. I don't have a problem with directors making movies that uh, don't follow the garden variety movie format or whatever. I just hate that. I think people have convinced themselves that it's really good. It's an amazing movie just because Quentin Tarantino made it. Look, when Batman Forever came out, when I was a kid, I was so amped up to see it. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be great. And it sucked. But after I saw the movie in the theater, I walked away and be like, you know, it was good. It was good. I was trying to convince myself it was good. And about two months later, I finally admitted this movie kind of blows. Once upon a time, Hollywood, Hollywood kind of blows. <laughs> Derek, I know you said time's up. I need 10 more seconds. Okay. Luke, what's your favorite movie? Heat. I rest my case. Nero, actually, that, that movie was great, actually. <laughs> De Niro, Pacino, Michael I was going to say that just regardless of what you said. Oh, now all of a sudden, now Pacino. All right, no, no, Fever he, pitch. No, heat's awesome. <laughs> all right, uh, that's all we got. Uh, Derek, uh, did any of that make any sense to you? Um, no, but while you guys going, I was looking up the Red Sox comp pick. Um, actually can't be traded, so we'll just don't use a million dollars cash instead. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> in, the, in the Rangers trade. I was so that whole the whole time that brawl was going on, I could see in Derek's eyes, it was just a flashing light that said error, 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 error. None of this computed. <laughs> I don't honestly, I don't even remember the name of the movie you're talking Derek, about. You could not have you could not have crafted a better punchline to to the end of that brawl. <laughs> yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, we're gonna wrap it up there. Uh, John has left us a long time ago. Uh, we, we covered it all tonight. I both accepted and um, defeated all of Luke's challenges, okay? And uh, you Wrong. can let us know uh, how well I did uh, tomorrow on Twitter at Bleacher Brawl. Um, you know, when you rate this show uh, five stars, leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. When you join us at the end of our Farm to Fenway episode on Wednesday, you can tell me what a great job I did. Um, 
in a second, you'll hear me again in the pre-recorded thing, give you all the spiel. So I'm not going to tell you all the places that you can find us, but make sure you stick around uh, to that. Um, anything you guys have to add uh, before we wrap it up? Yeah. Um, we're, we're here Bleach Bowls, uh, on for the YouTube channel, getting ready for our team profile series. Uh, we're covering all 30 teams in like 36 days. It's a part of our 40 videos in 40 days uh, to, you know, leading up to opening day. So yeah, it's going to be a big one. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm pretty sure everyone else is. Um, so yeah, that's going to be a big one here. Fantasy football champion and still undefeated in Bleacher Brawls. <laughs> okay. All right. My 80 for Brady review goes up tomorrow. The, today you're listening to this. It's today on the website. And um, I'm going to convince you to watch that movie because it's really good. Not quite as good as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but better than you think it's going to be. Um, all right, guys, we're going to wrap it up there uh, for Derek, for Luke, myself, for John, who left us a while ago. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we will see you next time. Enough with, the, enough with the feet, Quentin. No, y'all rolling. Shut your mouth. All right, folks, that's the latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on BleacherBrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter.